Welcome to Power Up, a podcast show hosted by Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio that brings life to some of the stories on Power Electronics technologies and products featured on PowerElectronicsNews.com and through other as Pencore Media publications. In this show, you'll hear both engineers and executives discuss news, challenges, and opportunities for power electronics in markets such as automotive, industrial, and consumer. Here is your host, Editor-in-Chief of PowerElectronicsNews.com and EEWeb.com, Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio. Hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of Power Up. In this episode, we will talk about electrification race, the way in the electrification race. As the automotive industry moves towards zero emissions transportation, manufacturers are rapidly wrapping up their electrification programs. Designers in electric and hybrid vehicles have the goal to improve energy conversion efficiency. They are oriented toward devices equipped with compact packaging with reduced switching losses. The electric vehicle market is still facing two important challenges, cost and driving range. Driving range is considered to be the major trend for full electric vehicle adoption. One way to reduce cost and increase system efficiency is to integrate the powertrain. The biggest challenge is the cost of batteries which is coming down but still represents a huge proportional challenge to the overall cost of the battery electric vehicles. Silicon carbide comes in because it could reduce the cost and increase the performance of these batteries. Silicon carbide technology provides superior switching and improved thermal performance compared to similar silicon devices. This translates into improved efficiency for electric vehicles. Today, Together, my colleague Nidhi Indahad, Editor-in-Chief of Embedded.com, we will talk about this topic with Stephen Lambert. Stephen received his doctorate from the University of Warwick by looking at the applicability of hybrid and electric drivetrains in motorsport. He is now responsible for the electrification strategy for automotive customers with McLaren Applied. Let's start the podcast with Stephen. Hi, Steven. Thanks a lot for having you in this podcast. Thanks for the opportunity to have you now to talk about uh, electrification race. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Thank you for thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Steven. So the topic of uh, today is uh, the way in the electrification race. But before starting, before going into details, so please introduce yourself, Steven. No problem. So my name's Stephen Lambert. I'm Head of Electrification at uh, McLaren Applied. Um, and my role is to look after our strategy um, around electrification products. So we, we sell products into, into OEMs, into Tier 1s, um, and I look after those products for electrification. So that could be inverters, motors, uh, systems for batteries, anything to do with electrification, really. So... As I mentioned, uh, the automotive industry is moving towards zero emissions transportation, and that means manufacturers are uh, ramping up their electrification programs, increasing pressure from uh, governments and consumers for a sustainable future means that decarbonization and electrification solutions are more in demand than ever before. Also, supercars are investing in e-mobility. 
How do you forecast the evolution of the electric vehicle market in the coming years? So I think the the market's at a really interesting inflection point at the moment. We we're kind of in the middle of um, what I've I've heard described as the sort of second phase of electrification. The first phase was probably. 2005 to 2015, where you had a number of small uh, niche players looking to uh, looking looking to enter the sort of electrification market, maybe produce vehicles, produce technologies. Most of those companies, um, unfortunately, didn't survive. They were innovators, but maybe a little bit too early for that market. Um, but with the exceptions being people like Tesla, who, of course, have have, have survived and have thrived. We're now in the second phase, um, which is really where all of the large OEMs have cottoned on and said, okay, yeah, we, we need to be a big part of this. Um, and so I think in the last year or two and over the next, com- next couple of years, you'll see a lot of electric vehicles being launched by pretty much every single OEM you, you can imagine. And multiple, multiple vehicles will be launched by every OEM and starting to compete in multiple different segments of that market. And then I think the third phase, which is going to happen in the next, starting in the next two, three or four years, um, is going to be where there's a lot of competition between electric vehicles. At the moment, we're just getting over um, barriers to entry for consumers like charging time, uh, range, um, uh, cost of the vehicle, those sorts of things. When those questions have been answered and consumers undoubtedly will say, actually, electric vehicle technology is is, is is it best technology for me? It works better. Um, then the, the market is going to be all about competing on efficiency. And that, that's where we're, where we're looking to focus as a future focused company is how can we help our customers be more efficient for that third wave of electrification that we're seeing coming in in a few years time. And so that's where some of the really interesting developments are at the moment from a technology point of view is how to make vehicles and how to make the whole supply chain much more efficient. Yeah, so a big role of this will be played by Silicon Carbide. And uh, so Silicon Carbide, uh, or SIC, but also Gallium Nitride, again, uh, will have an, uh, an important role. Uh, so what, what key semiconductor will make a special contribution to electric vehicles in terms of long battery life and fast charging? In terms of cost in particular, uh, can you tell me what are the challenges to providing a strong adoption of silicon carbide for EV market? So absolutely. So both silicon carbide and GAN are going to be uh, key for the electric vehicle market moving forward. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of investment being put into GAN at the moment, and uh, with with good reason. You know, the, the very high switching frequencies, the high efficiency of GAN makes it really, really ideal for things like um, chargers and DC DC converters, which are maybe not the highest power. Um, components, um, but there's some benefit in, in them being more efficient and smaller and, and lighter. Um, some of the problem with those, uh, those technologies though, when you're talking about these DC converters and, and fast charge technology is that they're, they're still reasonably low power. 
um, for the, particularly the onboard charges. We're talking about charges. And so the, the benefit of going to a higher efficiency switching medium, um, is more difficult. So the cost price of GAN needs to come down quite significantly from where it is today for it to be uh, successful in the automotive market because the benefit isn't quite there because you're going to be limited to, to lower power devices. Um, it's going to be more, more difficult to make that cost benefit analysis positive. With silicon carbide, however, those are going to be used on the main traction drives for the vehicle. That's going to be 100, 200, 300, 500 kilowatts, depending on the vehicle. Um, when you've got that much power, um, even one, two, three, four percent increase in efficiency makes a big, big difference on the amount of energy you're wasting, and therefore then the size of uh, the size of battery you need and how long it's going to take to charge that um, for a given for a given range, for example. And so, silicon carbide is going to be is going to be the dominant power electronics on, on electric vehicles for that reason, because they will be used on, on the traction side of the vehicle. Um, and so really, again, it needs silicon carbide to come to a price point that, that makes it efficient, uh, makes it makes the cost-benefit analysis positive. Um, but I think we're almost there with silicon carbide. It's, it's been evolving over the last few years, and actually the cost of silicon carbide is not quite, but it's almost there as a um, as, as competitive with silicon from a, from a total system benefit. Um, and when you look at the roadmaps of the of the manufacturers, it's definitely uh, it's definitely going to be there in the next few years and then be competing with silicon. One of the main uh, components elements in uh, electric vehicle is uh, the battery. Uh, what are your considerations in terms of battery performance, cost, recycling? And uh, what are the current challenges, and how is uh, the industry moving? Well, I think I think this is really interesting. I think when we when we look at when we look at batteries, it's it's kind of the low hanging fruit, and a lot of investment has been put into batteries in in previous years, and so. Um, but for good reason, you know, this, this is going to be the, the core technology that makes up the largest chunk of any bit of materials of any electric vehicle. Um, but we are now getting to the point where battery technology is almost, the vehicles are almost on a par with IC engine vehicles um, in the same segment. You know, we're, we're, we're sort of around $100, $150 per kilowatt hour for battery technology. Um, uh, that's the point at which the, uh, the vehicles can be competitive, and that's why we're seeing, another reason why we're seeing all of the OEMs bringing out battery technology. So I think from a cost point of view, we're well on the way to being there. Um, from a technology point of view, um, the energy density is there to make make it work. We still see some manufacturers trying to put as big a battery as possible in their their electric vehicle. Um, I think this is a bit of a, a false economy um, because as consumers get more used to how electric vehicles use and they they modify their uh, their habits accordingly, actually needing a big battery pack won't be. A, um, a big consideration. There was a, a quote I heard which said, having a big battery pack is like carrying around a second engine just in case. Um, you just won't need 
won't need large battery packs. The only time you'll need the extra energy is if you're going on a long journey, which most people do a, a handful of times a year. And so in that case, then fast charge technology um, becomes more important than actual battery pack size. Um, and so the ability to fast charge batteries um, is going to be really important, of course, um, aligned with the power electronics, which, which goes hand in hand and enables that. Um, and then, then the, other, the other aspect of battery technology is degradation. But I think we're already seeing as well that actually the battery life in today's technology um, is such that it's, 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 it's lasting longer than the vehicles themselves, the batteries. Um, and so really what it comes down to is, is now getting more people to buy electric vehicles. And so what the battery needs to do for that is, as I said, reduce charging time. Um, that will reduce the cost of the battery naturally anyway in the size of the battery, um, is, is get to that point where we're reducing car- charging start times. So that's fast charge um, chemistries um, and using 800-volt infrastructure. So what I noted during uh, reading uh, and writing uh, articles that two main topics will be integration and uh, packaging. So integration and packaging travel together in electric vehicles is something that you are going to consider for the for the future. How are you planning to solve the, the challenges about these uh, things, features? No, absolutely. And it, it, it's really important. And mass and weight um, are, are related, of course. Um, at McLaren Applied, we, we, we feed into both motorsport and into, and into mainstream automotive. What's interesting is that, uh, motorsport it focuses on weight because that, that impacts performance more than, more than packaging. But actually in the automotive market, packaging is, is absolutely key and the, that ability to integrate into a vehicle platform is, is absolutely important. So getting the volume down as low as possible is absolutely key to being successful in this market, whether we're talking about a battery, an inverter, a motor, having it as, as small as possible um, is, is, is really important. Um, the way to do that, and it sort of ties back into to one of my first points, is make it much more efficient. Um, if you can make your technology more efficient, you, you end up with a virtuous cycle. Um, so if we start with, um, we talked about silicon carbide, if we start with silicon carbide, for example, and 800 volts, you say, okay, let's have a silicon carbide 800 volt inverter on our vehicle. Um, that 800 volt gives us fast charging, and then the silicon carbide allows us to do two things. It allows us to switch faster and allows us to switch more efficiently. Um, when we switch faster, what well, when we switch more efficiently, we use less we generate less heat, so we're more efficient, um, and therefore the battery can be smaller. So we gain on some integration and, and some packaging there. Um, but what we can also do is use the switching frequency to uh, make, make uh, use a, a higher speed motor. So a higher speed motor will have a, a smaller torque, but a higher speed for the same power. Um, but because of that, it will also be smaller. Um, you know, it'll, it'll have a much smaller rotor, faster spinning, um, and will take up less packaging space. It'll also be more efficient, so you get some additional benefit there as well. But when you look at it and you look at, uh, at uh, motors in particular, when you go into high volumes, the, um, the cost of that motor will start tending towards the raw material costs. So if you have a smaller, lighter motor, it will also be a cheaper motor. Um, so you get this virtuous cycle when you, when you focus on efficiency, things automatically become smaller and lighter. And if you do it well, should become cheaper and give your, your, your OEM, your end user a benefit. So when we talk about uh, electric vehicles, we need to talk about uh, charging infrastructure. 
So infrastructure will be is the next challenge that we will have to, to face. So let's just think about uh, electric grid and uh, the need for more charging uh, stations and smart grids for our electric vehicles. Uh, charging stations technology must uh, rapidly move further following the technology behind uh, the electric vehicles. So which are your considerations about that? So there's, you know, this, this is a stick that's used quite often to beat electric vehicles over the head with um, in terms of the infrastructure. It, it very much depends on the territory that you're talking about. Um, but if I take the UK, for for example, um, the one thing that the, the UK National Grid has said is actually the National Grid is perfectly capable of supplying all electric vehicle energy needs um, if if all of the if all of the vehicles on the road swapped over to electric vehicles tomorrow the grid is perfectly capable of providing those needs and so from an infrastructure point of view as a, a backbone point of view actually there there isn't a there, there isn't a big issue there um, there may be some local issues with the size of cables and uh, new uh, new substations required but actually at a, at a, at a large infrastructure level um, the grid is more than capable of supporting the uh, the transition to electric vehicles however there is a caveat with that that says smart smart grids, uh, smart charging, smart timing, um, and the right mix of uh, user um, attitudes, user um, habits need, needs to be got into place. So people want to charge their vehicle in 5, 10, 20 minutes, um, and so there will need to be places where you can do that. Um, but also a lot of people will end up charging their, their cars from home. Um, and so that needs to be part of the mix and for that to work. And so, and for people not to just plug in at five o'clock when they get home from work and there'd be a big, um, a big surge on the grid, there needs to be smart charging included. Um, and probably related to that as well, smart metering to do with the cost of generating electricity at a given time so that more electric vehicles will charge, charge overnight. Um, of course, many people will live in, in flats or, or um, houses without the ability to charge their car, so there needs to be more public infrastructure for charging as well. So there, there is infrastructure needed, um, but actually the, the grid itself is, is more than capable of, of supplying the needs of, of electric vehicles. Um, but it's about getting getting that right mix of, of user interactions, user habits, um, and, and that technology. Yeah, great. So, uh, today I have the pleasure to have my, my colleague, uh, Nitin Had, editor-in-chief of Embedded.com. Uh, he wrote several articles about uh, electrification and is reading several contributions in different uh, markets. So, uh, he is working with me also uh, in our uh, next uh, book about Silicon Garbai that we are uh, editing, uh, where we will highlight uh, electric vehicles technology too. Uh, so he attended the Goodwood Festival too last uh, last week. So Nidin, what is your comment to, to share with uh, with Stephen about uh, the the charging? So we know that the one expectation will be for the consumer to reduce the charging time. That's right. Uh, thanks, Maurizio. Um, hi, Steve. So. Um, yeah, I think I learned quite a lot at Goodwood, actually, and uh, it was very interesting talking to your colleagues as well there. Um, on the, the charging, I mean, you, you're right, there's there's a lot of um, uh, debate around this, and uh, also I read in the media a lot of um, mainstream media, uh, uh, 
many myths too. Uh, yeah, um, so I think, yeah, from what you just said, the big thing is going to be about load management because you said the infrastructure in the UK, for example, is already there and it's about, you know, managing the loads in a smart way. Um, does that mean there's uh, there's an element of having to have the right sort of commercial models or, or what what's the what's the barrier for that? I, I, I mean, I, I, I think that's probably the point, and that you know, I think commercial models are going to be the key to driving the right user behaviour. If you know that you're going to pay 50% less to charge your vehicle if it's charging between midnight and 6 a.m., um, then you're probably quite likely to do that. I know there have been um, in the past there have been a couple of companies that have looked to um, combine their energy supply, for example, with leasing of electric vehicles um, so that they can shift their uh, the, the energy company's usage over to cheap, uh, cheaper energy times. There's, there's a couple of people looked at that and the, the business case has almost made sense for that. So I think the right charging mechanism uh, needs to be there. We don't at the moment have that in the UK um, at a consumer level, but certainly do with the, uh, the energy supplier level. And they're, they're charged based on every half hour um, Mm. Uh, at a different price. Um, so I think, you know, moving that over to the consumer and putting more emphasis on the consumer is, is only going to be a good thing. It will help drive the right, the right behaviours. Yes, I think uh, maybe uh, there needs to be more commercial ventures then to sort of explore uh, deploying some of some of these models, I guess. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, and you, you talked earlier about... Um, uh, overcoming the barriers to entry. Obviously, we talked about it already here, charging time and range. Um, once, and then we'll get to the third phase of um, electrification. So, is it so that people can compete on efficiency? How far are we away from that? I'm not asking you to do a sort of <laughs> a, a accurate prediction, but are we like months or, or years? Or I mean, what's your your feel? Oh, my, my, my fear is when you when you look at the market, it, obviously the um, there's a sort of coronavirus pandemic has has made things difficult. But one of the things that it hasn't impacted as, as much as other as much as other things certainly is the electric vehicle market, and we've seen strong growth in the electric vehicle market despite um, the overall. Uh, global vehicle market declining quite significantly over the last 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what we actually see now is if, even in the last 12 months, there are so many more um, electric vehicles on the market now than there were. Obviously, they were in development pre-COVID. Um, but you, you mentioned Goodwood, for example. I was I was there myself, and there was a whole um, uh, avenue full of electric vehicles. And I, 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 you know, and I work in the industry, but I couldn't quite believe how many how many there were now to choose from. Um, I counted. I counted about thirty. Yes, on that. Yes, and and some of them I wasn't I wasn't even aware of. I was like, oh, these these guys have got an electric vehicle out now. I wasn't wasn't even aware of it. The um, Honda, Honda e me <laughs> exactly and it's a you know even even stalwarts like a stalwarts like uh, ford and, and gm Vauxhall, um you, you know they're 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 now they're now bringing out electric vehicles where they've they've traditionally been quite slow to do so in the past and so you know everybody's really getting there so if you go into a dealership today um there's a good chance that you will be offered an electric vehicle as a choice and so i do think it is maybe not quite weeks or months away but I think over the next couple of years, we're going to see a very large uptake on in electric vehicles as the value proposition gets um, uh, 
uh, you know, gets made much more clear for people, much easier for people to understand as those barrier for entries such as charging um, range and all those sorts of things um, are overcome. And, and part of that is just by more people having electric vehicles, there'll be a critical mass of people getting electric vehicles and saying, well, actually, yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a pain that it takes a bit longer to charge when you're driving on the motorway, but actually I do most of my charging from home and it doesn't really impact me because I, I charge on the motorway five times a year and I can go and get a coffee at the same time. Um, you know, as soon as those conversations start happening with people and they say, okay, yeah, maybe an electric vehicle is, is worth getting, it's just yeah. going to snowball once you get to that critical mass. And so the market really is months, if not one year away from really hitting that critical math where it's just going to, uh, just going to grow exponentially. Thank you. I mean, that sounds about fair. Um, before I hand back to Maurizio, I have one last question. Um, and that is, um, yeah, you, you talked about your customers being both, you know, sort of the performance as well as the uh, um, consumer. Um, obviously, in the performance uh, vehicles, you're pushing the limits of you know, what you can do with the technology. And you talked about some of the sort of where uh, some of that applies in the consumer side. But um, how long, I mean, um, how long do you, do you see sort of, yeah, from going from the track to a commercial vehicle? Typically, does a technology take to, to get there? It's just a curiosity. It may not be, may not even have an answer, but I'm just wondering how, you know, how far is, is that sort of gap or is it pretty much like when you do it, then you've proved it and then, you know, your customers, tier ones want to see it in their cars. I think that's, that's, that's a really interesting question. Of course, it depends when your start and end point is, but I, you know, if you, if you take Formula One as an example, Formula One spent many years sort of the early part, you know, the last part of, uh, last century, the early part of this century sort of having a bit of, uh, it was a, not necessarily an existential crisis, but there were people saying, what's, what's the point of this? This is just a whole load of people driving around in circles, flying expensive machinery around the world and, and burning fuel, um, for no real benefit to society. And this, this, you know, society is going through a lot of change and, mm. you know, you know, that, that started off as a, as a minor concern and, and of course became, became greater and greater as, as people understood more about the impacts of climate change and, and everything else. <clears throat> and so in 2007, I think it was, Formula One bought out, um, Kurs and I think, I think it was 2007, um, introduced Kurs where everybody had to have, oh, sorry, you had the option of having a kinetic energy recovery system of which most people who did it had, um, um an electric, electric motor, an inverter and, and a battery on board, which, which supplemented the, uh, the engine. Um, in 2014 then they, they actually briefly got rid of it because of, of, of various technical and political issues um, then in 2014 he came back in with the new engine regs um, as as ERS so you had a heat energy recovery on the on the exhaust and you had kinetic energy recovery on the on the drive shaft um, when the the um, Formula One, what a lot of people don't realize is Formula One is to some extent, and Formula E is absolutely this as well, is a competition around efficiency. Um, so you need to go as far as you can on a given amount of fuel because you're restricted on how much fuel you can have or use essentially. Um, Formula E is exactly the same as actually an efficiency based um uh, formula, so you get an, a certain amount of battery energy, and you need to go as fast as you can um, with that amount of battery energy. And so those 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 two things have really uh, driven 
the development of, of ultra-high-efficient um, technology. Um, a great example being battery technology, another great example being uh, silicon carbide power electronics. And we are now starting to see silicon carbides, for example, and, and to some extent some batteries, some, some of the learnings from the battery technology making its way into, into more mainstream automotive. Um, so it depends when you think your, your, your start point is. If you said Formula 1 was 2007 or maybe the second phase with Formula E and Formula 1 in 2014, you know, it's, it's maybe 10, 10 years, something like that. But, you, you know, there is a definite change in the mm. industry where motorsport has to be much more relevant to wider society, and that, that's through the transition of technology into automotive. So we're seeing an acceleration in that take-up into into mainstream now. Absolutely. But, it, but of course, that, that it, it depends on the, consumer, on, the, on the demand from consumers as well and, and everything else. So there's no one answer to that, but... Yeah. There is definitely the, the movement of technology happening more than it was in the past. That sounds good. It's stepped up a gear. Excuse the pun. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Nidin. Good. So, Stephen, we are in, uh, in conclusion. So I would uh, like to have from you just one comment about uh, the last question that uh, I have in mind. So when we talk about electric vehicle, we have uh, around these uh, the problem of energy. So one problem to be solved for the future of humanity is related to energy. Uh, can the use of uh, solar energy or other uh, clean energy sources be increased to assure that uh, electric vehicles have zero emissions? But uh, moreover, just a comment, do you see hydrogen as a sensible alternative to battery-powered electric cars? Um, so I'll take, take, take those two, <coughs> two questions. In terms of energy mix, um, absolutely the use of zero carbon um, or clean energy sources is, is vitally important. There's a lot of misinformation in the industry um, uh, about this. Um, people saying, well, you know, if you, if you plug it in, actually the energy is not that green, so there's no point having an electric vehicle. It's, it's dirtier than a, than a diesel car. Um, if you look at maybe the most biased analysis of that, um, there, there was a report done based on the German uh, um, infrastructure, which, which relies a lot on coal. I think it was seven years um, for the electric vehicle to be um, as have the same carbon footprint as, as an equivalent internal combustion engine vehicle. That was a slightly biased report. And actually, when you look at some of the new reports coming out now, it's it's significantly less than that. There's there's a lot of embedded carbon in the battery, of course, um, but the, the the carbon in use is much much reduced. And actually, it's only after two, three, or four years that we start seeing the benefits of of electric vehicles. But of course, that depends on there being clean energy. There's another debate about whether whether nuclear should be classed as a clean energy or not. Um, we, 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 that's probably a whole other podcast. Um, but certainly the, the, the bigger mix of renewables and clean energy is, is really important um, because when we talk about efficiency and competing over efficiency, and we're already seeing this in the energy market, um, you, your energy needs to be as efficient as possible as well. Um, and so we're seeing the energy market, you know, people advertising based on the fact that they have renewable energy as a big part of their mix. Um, so I think that's really important. The, the second part of your question was around hydrogen. Yeah. And for hydrogen passenger vehicles, I think um, uh, Elon Musk, said it well in the hydrogen's just dumb. I don't think hydrogen will work for, for passenger vehicles um, on its own unless two things happen. You can sort out the supply of hydrogen. Um, 
yeah. or you're looking at applications where you need a long, long range. Um, and I think really the, the supply of hydrogen is only going to come in uh, as relevant if that's if that's acting as a um, an energy store. So you're going to store producing your energy. So you've, you've got a lot of wind, for example, um, and you can't actually deploy that onto the grid, and you need to store that energy somewhere. You can produce hydrogen. Obviously, it's a very lossy way of storing energy. But if you could find the right business case to use that hydrogen, um, perhaps in in vehicles of some sort, then that could work. But I think there's a, a bit of an uphill struggle hydrogen in that way it relies on a lot of things coming together um uh, to, to, to work yeah great thank you so steven it's been a pleasure to have you in this podcast thanks uh, thanks a lot thank you Nitin, and thank you. Uh, stay tuned thank you thank you steven so over the next couple of years we'll see a lot of electric vehicles that will be launched As Steven said, we will see a lot of competition between electric vehicles companies. Both silicon carbide and GAN, wideband gap semiconductors, are going to be key for electric vehicle market moving forward. So the cost of GAN needs to come down quite significantly to guarantee a strong adoption in the automotive market. Steven highlighted that a lot of investment has been put into batteries in last years. This is going to be the core technology that makes up the largest part of any bill of materials of any electric vehicle. Infrastructure, energy, grid will be other topics connected with electric vehicles. Actually, the grid itself is more than capable of supplying the needs of electric vehicles. Nitin highlighted that it's about managing the loads in a smart way. Obviously, the coronavirus pandemic has made things difficult, but not for the electric vehicle market. Moreover, the biggest mix of renewables and clean energy is really important. Steven does think hydrogen can work for passenger vehicles unless you can sort out the supply of hydrogen or you are looking at applications where you need a long, long range. The supply of hydrogen is only going to come in as re- relevant if it's acting as an energy storage. Thank you everyone. See you next episode. Stay tuned.